As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lock Talk Radio. Travis is on the air as soon as we start. Holy shit. Holy shit on a bottle. Where the fuck did that come from? The the great languid uh, depths of the abscess of my mind. That's where that came from. You just used up up every 10 cent word you know, didn't you? Yes. And and I'm not even pretty pretty sure that half of them don't even go together. Uh, Welcome back. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, I had a nice uh, blistery week in, uh, in in Florida, man. It was a little bit cold, but it actually worked out pretty well. We went to Disney World for our honeymoon, and uh, and uh, you know, if somebody told you it's going to be thirty-five to forty-five degrees the whole week you're in Florida, you'd probably be pissed. But you know, to be honest with you, neither one of us really likes the blazing heat and humidity of uh, Central Florida that much. Yeah. And um, to be able to just put on a sweatshirt and a beanie and, and be good to go for the week and not have any lines or anything like that, it was, it was pretty awesome. No, no, that's always the best time to go, man. I last time I went, it was uh, it was around September, and it was about you know it was probably about uh, like same similar to the way you described it. It wasn't hot. It was kind of uh, kind of cool, kind of cool out. It's it's the best, man. You don't have to deal with that humidity and the daily rain that that uh, Orlando gets during yeah. the summer. So worked out good. You yeah. glad to hear it. We had we had oh, a good time. We had, we had a good time last week. Uh, we missed you, of course, but uh, Tim Tim Gordon did a good job filling in, though. Oh, as he always does, and I'm, I'm glad my job was still va- here waiting for me when I got back. That was always <laughs> always a nice thing to know. Well, um, there, were, there, there were some discussions, but you know, I, I, fig- I figured, you know, the guy the guy shouldn't lose his lose his job lose his job due to injury. You know, that's yeah. that's the way that's the way it is in the NFL. And I figured we'd we'd lift that policy. Uh, Plus, I signed that ten year, fifty six million dollar contract with twenty million guaranteed. So you and Tim would have to buy me out for a lot more than uh, I'm worth. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm still waiting on that initial paycheck, by the way. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too, so, to be honest. <laughs> as as always, I know this is uh, we're gonna have to come up with new synonyms for great show because we have another one for you this week, and I hate to keep using that over and over again. But we have joining us uh, the dude himself, Jeff Bridges, the amazing. 
the wonderful, the legendary Jeff Bridges. Also, new to the scene, where they're getting her starts on the OC. Always beautiful, always amazing. Olivia, Olivia Wilde? Why am I thinking that doesn't sound right? I don't know why, because that's her name. I didn't know that she was on the OC. Yeah, yeah, she st- she started out as uh, Adam Bro or uh, the Seth character's um, love interest, and then she turned into uh, Misha Barton's lesbian girlfriend. Oh God, really? Yeah, that was where she got her big start. Wow, along with Cam Gidgenette, another rising st- star. Um, I did I did not know that. I I love me some Olivia Wilde. I think she might be one of the top ten hottest women in Hollywood right now. She is amazing. Yeah, you know, I always had a little issue with her forehead. Like, she has a little bit too much forehead, but uh, she's still beautiful, don't get me wrong. But they, Tron Legacy does a great job of giving her a haircut that works for her, and she looks amazing. And I, I don't think anybody could look as good in nerd wear as she does in this movie. There's there's um, no there's no hairstyle she can't make look tight, my friend. Yeah, that, that, that's true. She's 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 beautiful, and she's, yeah. she's talented, too, which is she's got that, she's got that ease on screen that just kind of flows. You know, it, it shows where the true talent is, where it doesn't look like she's working. It looks like she's just, you know, she is the part. So she's, right. she's got a, a big future ahead of her. So we can't wait to see more from her. Um, and we'll, we'll be hearing from her in a little bit here. Um, also, the new uh, movie that's just hitting out this week um, that's getting a lot of buzz, The Fighter, Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. Um, basically, story goes that uh, Christian Bale's character, um, Dickie Ward, uh, was a, a fighter who came to, you know, came to his peak in the late 70s with a fight against Sugar Ray Leonard, um, and then kind of fell into drug addiction and everything like that. Now he's trying to help his brother, Mickey Ward, make his way up through the ranks and fight and everything like that. Ooh, sounds like we might have lost John for a second there. Uh, I'm not sure what happened. But uh, going back to the fighter, uh, yeah, it does star. It stars Mark Wahlberg as uh, Irish Mickey Ward, and Christian Bale is his his half brother, uh, Dickie Eklund. And like you said, he was a fighter who uh, was a great one at a, at a time, but drugs and other personal demons took hold and basically uh, sapped away any talent he ever had. And now he's just kind of he's still training his brother. Um, to to be a fighter and to uh, to fight his way to the title, but you know his personal problems are getting in the way and causing a bit of a distraction. Uh, as we kind of wait for John to see if he comes back here, I'm going through uh, my usual process of keeping my eye on the switchboard and keeping my eye on the football <laughs> football games as they're going on in the corner of my eye. Uh, as you know, it, me and John are embroiled in fantasy football every single week and I am in our fantasy semifinals here so I'm a little bit distracted as I watch Michael Turner stink up the joint for me and basically cost me the season um so I'm not sure what's going on here with John it sounds like he could be having some serious difficulties but if he's not back in uh in another couple of minutes then I will just go ahead and let it go but while we're waiting for him I guess what I can do is go ahead and take a moment to talk about uh, The King's Speech, which is another movie that came out this week in the D.C. area. It's been out for, like, uh, let's see. It came out, a, it's, came out a, a, maybe a week ago in limited release, but it's out here in D.C. now. Uh, and it stars Colin Firth as King, Ed, as, uh, King George V. Uh, he was known as, uh, oh wait, no, he's King George VI. Yeah, he was Prince Albert, the Duke of York. 
And he is a guy who's he has this, this severe speech impediment that could possibly cost him his chance at uh, at the throne. Uh, so what he does to try to get over his his, his problem is to seek out a, ther- a speech therapist uh, played by Jeffrey Rush. Uh, the guy's name is Lionel Logue, and he's kind of an eccentric, a little uh, little off kilter as a as a, a style that I guess could be described as tough love, I guess you would call it. Uh Dr. Phil would certainly approve of of his of his style of teaching. Um hold on, is that John right there? Let me see what's going on here. John is not there. Okay. So I'm not sure what's going on here. But anyway, um Lionel and uh and Prince Albert uh go through some trying times trying to trying to get him over his problem. Uh Albert's brother uh, played by Guy Pierce is King Edward the Eighth, who takes over for their father, King George the Fifth, um, played by Michael Gambone. Um King Edward the Eighth is sort of a sort of a playboy. He's not really not really king material. And he runs up huge debts and basically pays no attention to to the to the job. Is Sorry to you? cut back in. Yeah, I, I'm back. Uh, a complication of both BTR and Skype. Uh, just to let everybody know out there, I had a computer crash, so I'm going on a uh, some low technology today. So we, we may have some issues coming back and forth here. Uh, if this does happen again, I'm just going to call into the show, Travis, and you can you can take over the hosting duties there. Um, but yeah. we seem to be okay for now. So uh, where were All we right. at? Good job on that. Well, let me uh, let me finish up the King speech real quick because I yeah, just go for it. And started doing that. But anyway. Um, when uh, when uh, King Edward VIII, uh, played by Guy Pearce, abdicates the throne to his brother, uh, it's up to his brother, now named King George the Sixth, King George the Sixth, to give this uh, grand speech uh, about their about their their possible trick into war. I think I believe this is around the time of World War World War Two, I believe, and uh, so he has to get over his speech impediment in order to do so, and. You know, I I went into this thinking that you know this is going to be one of those boring, really stuffy British films. It kind of starts off slow, but uh, like a certain uh, friend of mine told me, uh, you know, just just relax. This thing stars Colin Firth and Jeff, Jeffrey Rush. It's going to be a lot of fun in the end. Just wait and see. And he was right. Uh, Colin Firth gives what I think is the best performance he's ever given, possibly even better than the one he had last year. Uh, in a single man, where I think he should have, uh, he maybe should have won Best Actor there, but his performance here is even better. Um, Helena Helena Bottom Carter is, is is phenomenal as his wife, who's just kind of loyal and by his side. You don't really get to see her do much outside of Tim Burton and Harry Potter movies anymore, but it's nice to see her play a, a regular person, and she does it really really well. Um, for me, The King's Speech is a very good film. It's not a great film. Like I said, it does start off a little slow, but the performances are extraordinary and make it worth seeing. So for me, The King's Speech is a three and a half out of five. If you have a chance to go see it, I recommend it. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Now, is is this a movie that's that's going to be liked by, like, do you like period pieces? Or this isn't really a period piece, is it? Well, I mean, like I said, it takes place around World War II. Uh, so I guess in a way it is, just not, it doesn't go too far back. But I think I think a regular person will like it because it does have an inspirational story to it. 
mm-hmm. that I think anyone can relate to. It we're, not, feel- we're not looking at like because I think a lot of, what a lot of people get from just the setup of this is even though mm-hmm. it's World War II, I think a lot of people are thinking Keir Knightley type movie or, or uh, um, right. you know Queen Elizabeth, right. whatever the uh, those movies were. I don't I don't get a lot of fun out of those movies, but I think Jeffrey Rush is very funny at times in this one. There's a lot of kind of uh, the stodgy British humor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Got a deadpan, yeah. got a deadpan humor that sort that sort of thing that goes on in this. So there are some really funny moments that make it worth checking out. I think a lot of people will like it. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely hearing nothing but good things about it, and then uh, have been trying to get make some way to go see it with a little time I've had in the past couple of weeks, but I'm definitely gonna be making that a high priority in this next week or so when we have nothing going on. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was also telling people that I'm, I'm staring out of the corner of my eye at the uh, at the Falcons and Seahawks game because oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm in I'm in the I'm in the, you know I'm in the semifinals of our fantasy league here. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And uh, you know I'm I'm down by two at the moment. Michael Turner's pissing me off. So. Yeah, I, I, sh- I completely. <laughs> I didn't just shit the bed. I shit the bed, the kitchen, the coats. I shit on everything in our fantasy league this year. I, I started out a little bit slow, and then I, I picked it up, and I was like. I was like uh, like six and two or something like that. I was doing really well, and then I just fucking just fell off the roller coaster there, and uh, didn't didn't re- didn't return. It looks like I'm going to be going into tomorrow night's game down by two. Mm. Now the problem, well, there's a problem. It's going to be an all Bears final here because my opponent has Matt Forte and Johnny Knox. Oh, and I know, and I've got the Bears defense and Earl Bennett. So it's all bears. We both got two players left. They're all bears. So it's, you can bet I'm going to. And be, I'm as a bears fun. fan, it's going to suck for you because you can't root for Matt Forte. <laughs> I can root for Matt Forte to fumble and the Bears still win. Yeah, that's what, that's what I want to root for Matt Forte to have the worst game of his career and the Bears still win. That's yeah. that's all I'm hoping for. They can him and Matt, him and Johnny Knox can get zero points as far as I'm concerned, and as long as the Bears still win. We know what we say about this kind of situation, my friend. It's a trap. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's definitely gonna be pretty a trap. Ugly. Yeah, Michael Turner killed me. Uh, there are a couple other players I can blame too, but they'll be in my fantasy doghouse for. <laughs> for yeah, for I'm, I'm chalking this up to a rebuilding <laughs> season. I really got to. Uh, I got to. My my draft next year has got to go uh, impeccable if I have any hopes on on redeeming myself to my third place status <laughs> of last year. So. Um, that being said, uh, you want to jump into Tron or you want to close with yeah. Tron? No, we should jump into Tron now. And we'll finish up with the fighter later on. Okay, well, the, the breakdown of Tron, um, I, you know, going into this, I was really kind of, because uh, I've seen the original, and Lord knows I've played the arcade game a thousand times, but I, I didn't remember enough of it, and I, and I was really kind of battering myself on whether I should watch it again before I go see this. Mm-hmm. Um, you really don't need to, but most of the setups no. given to you. Um in a very effective way, too, I might add. Yeah, uh, in, a, start, in a very starts, short, dynamic yeah. way. It starts off with a flashback sequence of uh, of um, Sam Flynn, not Sam Flynn, Kevin Flynn, uh, played by uh, Jeffrey, Jeff Bridges, uh, telling his son Sam uh, kind of a, a bedtime story. And it's basically just uh, telling him about his adventures in the grid, uh, talking about Clue and... And uh, and all those other, and Tron and all those other guys he met in the original movie and all that stuff and it it's in a very effective way uh, of reliving the story without getting too deep into it because let's be honest the original Tron story is a convoluted mess yeah okay and, it's, and it's, it was known it's, mostly for its, its its special effects at the time 
Yeah, it, it, that's all it is. I wrote in my review, I was like, ask anybody who thinks that Tron was great what they actually like about it. And they'll actually just tell you that it looked cool at the time. The reason why people liked Tron back then is because it was in the midst of the video game revolution. Everybody loved anything that had anything to do with video games. They were this mysterious, all-powerful thing that everybody loved. And they were like consuming everybody's life. Video games mm-hmm. were the thing. And Tron was the cinematic representation of that. So that's why people liked Tron at the time. But if you actually try to tell them to actually go back and tell you what the story was, I bet nobody can do it. No, because it was it was all about the... And, and, and he, until Tron Legacy came about, the, the only thing most people could tell you about Tron was that it was uh, it starred a, a fat guy in a beige suit because all, all they remember is the Tron guy on YouTube. Um, <laughs> but no, this... this, this stars uh, Jeff Bridges' son, Sam, Kevin Flynn's son, Sam, uh, who is, fast forward uh, 20 years, say, uh, mm-hmm. he's 27 now, he's, uh, you know, had an absent father, his father disappeared, 20, you know, 20 some years ago, whatever it was, um, and uh, he's basically living life, at, trying to, uh, trying to kind of still put out his father's way of being like his dad wanted to give away all the software that his company made and and was really you know all about freedom and stuff like that and he's he's still trying to do that in certain ways like breaking into the company headquarters and and right. uh leaking their new operating system on the uh internet things yeah. like that Incom and, has gone totally corporate which is the opposite of what uh is what opposite of what Kevin Flynn ever wanted for the company you know right. they're 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 in it solely for profit, not for being able to help people. Uh, and his son, Sam, is, while he's still technically the, the head of the company, he has no real interest in running it. So the only thing he does is he kind of interferes into their business workings once a year and uh, causes some headaches and then goes about his merry way. <laughs> right. So, uh, But then a mysterious page, <clears throat> uh, if you can believe that, a pager was actually brought into this in this in this. Uh, Algorithm of, of hugely new technology and flashy lights. The the story is spurred on by a pager. Um, but uh, is <laughs> Kevin's uh, Kevin Flynn's best buddy, uh, the guy that that kind of keeps up his his ideology at the company. Um, Alan pres- Bradley. Alan Bradley, right? Uh, yeah, he was, in, he was in the first movie. Right. He he receives a page from the old arcade where his father used to work, where Kevin Flynn used to work. Um, so Sam goes to the arcade, finds that behind the Tron machine is a secret uh, office that he goes down to. And kind of a honey, I shrunk the kid's way, he starts this um, this computer program with this ominous laser behind him that zaps him into the grid. Uh, and now he is in the grid of Tron. He's he's there. It starts out with a, a you know, there's a, a disc war fighting thing. They they think he's part of a program. They find out who he is and basically he beats up with his dad um and Olivia Wilde's character uh Yeah, I'm looking at how it's spelled and how you say it it's a little bit different, but um uh, and they they basically have to get out of the grid. Um with Clue, who is now the bad guy, uh, Clue is is basically a mirror image of Jeff Bridges when he was younger, who was supposed to make everything perfect. And as computers always do, you know, when you're making things perfect, the best way to do that is to eliminate all humans, <laughs> as we've seen in Terminator and every other you know movie like this. So uh, it's pretty right. much a race, a race to get out of the grid and do all that stuff after that. Um, movie looks sick. It looks amazing. I mean, that's that's 
the first thing to say. One one thing I did notice right. is, and I wonder if this is going to be something that's more, um, as always, it's 3D. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the 3D does a little bit for it, but I noticed the first 20 minutes, until he gets into the grid, it wasn't actually 3D. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, it does sort of a Wizard of Oz type thing. You know, when he's in the regular world, it stays in 2D, and the moment he gets zapped into the grid, it goes into 3D. I actually kind of like that. Right, yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I think I could take 3D if it was done. Like, of course, I wouldn't want little cues coming up on screen every five minutes saying, "Put on your 3D glasses now." But you know, the way that it was done here, where you could, like, I had everybody had the glasses on, and I kind of noticed, so I just took them off. I was like, "Well, it doesn't even look like 3D. Maybe they got a different print." And then he goes to the grid, and it's 3D. I was like, "Okay, this is cool." Um, but the, I mean, the technology behind it, and 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 just the the. The thought of it is just so cool to me. Like, like the light cycles, the little discs, the uh, the information discs that they use is like um, – I, I can't even think of another thing to describe them as, but it's like a Frisbee that cuts things in half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, everything about it was just amazing. Um, out, outside of the main city area was kind of dreary and, you know, not much to see there. But uh, everything inside and everything yeah. that had to do with the technology was, was gorgeous. It was a little out there for me. I will say that, though. <laughs> in like, what way? In what, in what way is it is it out well, there? What do you mean? What, what sticks in is, I mean, the Daft Punk. I, everybody's everybody's going on and on about the Daft Punk soundtrack, and yeah, it is cool when it fits. It fits right. definitely fits well. Fits but like the whole, whole fits the whole movie, as far as I'm concerned. Right? Yeah. No, it does. It does. But like the Zeus scene, um, and and the whole character of Zeus kind of was a little much for me. Okay. I don't know. He just he it just didn't fit. Like, oh I, well. You know. No. Okay. Well, I, I had my issues with. With uh, Zeus, who's uh, uh, played by Michael Sheen in this movie, he's kind of a flamboyant type mm-hmm. character. You know, he's uh, very showy, and uh, and he he's he sort of uh, uh, runs this underground network of uh, of whatever kind of a criminal empire, sort of, so to speak. Um, I don't want to give away his his character's motivations. Um, you know, when I was watching the trailers uh, and seeing a lot of the the clips of Michael Sheen's character of Zeus. Uh, otherwise known as Caster in the movie also. Um, I was like, I don't think his scenes fit already. I was like, I don't think these things make sense. I don't know what the hell he's actually trying to play here. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know who he's trying to be here. Uh, but when I saw it in the, entire, in the context of the entire movie, it didn't bother me and it actually fit pretty good. Uh, especially at the end there. I mean, it's it's pretty clear that the, that the director just kind of let him go off and do his own thing. I mean, he's kind of doing this little Charlie Chaplin thing at the end and he's waving his cane around like Chaplin. He's just kind of dancing around. You know, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. Because, to be honest, there's a lot of action in this movie, but a lot of it is very dark and, like you said, kind of dreary. And I yeah. thought he was kind of a, a, a funny little moment in between there. That was just, it was just a little a lot of fun. Well, you know, I think you actually just helped my understanding of the movie a little bit there because the one thing that I was uh, I really had a problem with, like I said, was that, and I think the main reason I had a problem with it is because I didn't, Equate him to like a Charlie Chaplin. You know what character he equated to in my mind was um, uh, Chris Tucker's character in The Fifth Element. Oh, uh, yuck! Yeah, yuck. exactly. Yuck. Well, that's like, the first thing that popped yuck. in my mind, and it's stuck there. So, like that's that's <laughs> what. So you saying Chaplin, me equating it that way, it, it fits a little bit different, and he's not quite as annoying or out there um, as he was. I, I hear you. Wait, we actually got a caller waiting on here, so let me hear call go uh, go to him and see what he's sure. has to say here. Caller. Who's this? Hello? Hello? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Okay, hey, yeah, my name is uh, Ike. Uh, yeah, I'm, 
I'm uh, I'm uh, I have a radio show on here as well uh, called the the Old School Losers Club. I'm sure you heard of it. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen uh, Tron Legacy yet. I'm going to go see it mm-hmm. this weekend. Uh, I just uh, I just want I just uh, wanted to. I just want to tell you that I, I remember the first one. Uh, it was very, it was very groundbreaking at the time. And mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why it, was, it became such a cult classic over the years was because it, it was one of, one of those first movies that dealt with the the, the, the bad side of technology way before mm-hmm. the Matrix right. and the Terminator and, and and those type of movies. Um, it kind of it was kind of like like the pre-matrix, you know, a, a guy who gets sucked inside a computer and how technology mm-hmm. would, would, would enslave us. And this is definitely kind of, and this, this and yeah. the way how the first one ended, you can kind of tell how, how, how that tell and, and why, and there was going to be a sequel. And the sequel kind of, kind of took that and just kind of showed what's going on with what's, what would ha- happen, like with, with the stuff we have with technology and computers today. Right, yeah, like the, the prototypes the, the, of the Terminators the, and all that other yeah. stuff that said technology. The eighties, the eighties was real big on uh, on the showing the dark side of technology. I mean, we look at movies like War Games did a lot of the same thing oh, and stuff War like Games. that. Yeah, yeah, movies like movies like that did a lot of that stuff. So the eighties were were a, a fertile time for movies like that. I, I definitely agree with you. And I, I will suggest that if you're going to go out to see it this week, um, this is one of the few movies you will hear me say is worth the extra couple dollars for IMAX 3D. If you if you have an IMAX theater around you, definitely check it out in IMAX because it's it's a, it's especially when they first get into the grid and that scene that everybody's seen on the uh, previews when that big orange crane thing's coming down and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just it's amazing to see. So definitely check it out in IMAX 3D. Uh, we appreciate the call. And call in any time you like, and uh, and uh, have a good day. Oh, you too. See you around. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks Take a lot, easy. man. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, other than that, I, I couldn't really find any problems with it. Like, I wanted to find some more problems with it, just because everybody was so on to it, and, and I, I was seeing it late. Um, right. And I was like, "There's got to be something there." But it's like it, it caught me as a little off. But mm-hmm. I think that's the way it's supposed to be, and I enjoyed it completely from uh, cool. from start to end. I was surprised. When I saw the two hour and seven minute runtime, I was surprised how quickly that time it, went. It doesn't feel like two hours and seven minutes to me. No, I I know what a lot of people's problems with it are. You know, the plot is is a little fuzzy. Okay, the plot is a little fuzzy. Uh, it doesn't always make a lot of sense. But to me, it to me one of the reasons why I like it and the plot doesn't really bother me is that it it gets it gets rid of all that techno talk that was so prevalent in the first movie. I right. Talk, all the talk of bits and bites and all this other type of all this other crap that I was just like, eh, you know, I, I, I kind of get bored with. They take all that stuff out and really make this about a battle between good and evil, uh, a dystopian future. You know, a, a, a evil leader needs to be dethroned. You know, that's really all mm-hmm. it is. And I, they they strip it down. And that's why I like it. And it becomes about the effects. It becomes about the action. And it becomes about the characters, which is why I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, when you say it like that, it, it, it really becomes, sorry to interrupt you, but it really becomes reminiscent of the uh, other 80s movies that were out there where you have the bad guy in the castle and you have the outcasts that have to take him over and, and do all that stuff. Because they even have like the castle like where the grid is, is like that, that golden city, that crystal city that you can see in the distance. Right. And then where uh, Kevin Flynn's kind of hideout is, is off against this you know great unknown vast plains of – dreariness uh to get there <laughs> and it's i mean all, all you, really you add in a couple yeah. muppets and you have an 80s movie i mean you have an 80s children's movie which uh this is not an 80s children's movie at all but it follows that same um 
same kind of formula, and I think it works very well. Yeah, and I lo- I gotta admit I love Jeffrey Bridges. Uh, he's kind of I, I I it hasn't been that long since I saw some of Tron, mm-hmm. uh, not all of it. I just saw a few minutes of it, and uh, and I like the way his character has aged and really changed over the last twenty years. He's become sort of like this uh, mix of Yoda and the dude, which I yeah. think is, like is really really cool. He even dresses like Yoda. Or, yeah. or, more, or more like Obi-Wan. <laughs> like yeah, Obi-Wan. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Like that. And, and I think it's cool that they kind of make him like a, a Jedi. Because yeah. the, the the users, as we know, the users like him have powers that go beyond any of the programs in the grid. Right. So it makes it kind of makes sense to have him be this sort of Yoda Jedi Knight type figure. I, I love that part of it. Right, and, and I'm, I'm so glad you said that because that's the first thing when you, they first get in there and he's all zen and everything mm-hmm. like that. And he's actually – they sit down to dinner, and I, I was like, he's wearing Jedi robes. I yeah. think he's actually wearing Jedi robes. But let's let's talk I, a little I, bit about – I kept I kept hoping Clue would capture him and just be like, where's the money, Lebowski? <laughs> where's the money, Lebowski? Yeah, well, because he even – he throws in bits of that. Like he says something, and uh, Sam says something to him, and he, he retorts back with, you're really ruining my zen here. And it was a real yeah. dude moment. It's um, funny. You know, it's, got, it's self-aware, and it's, it's, it's funny like that. So I, I, I really dug that part of it. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got to give it credit for being self-aware like that because I, a lot of movies take themselves too seriously, especially at this level. Right. But um, let's talk a little bit. You, you said as he, he grew. Uh, now – Obviously, he does grow older, but uh, Clue, his uh, counterpart, does not. Uh, it is the same Jeff Bridges. What do you think of the tech um, with the uh, show and the young Jeff Bridges? I thought I think it's still a couple steps shy of perfection. Uh, there's something with the skin that doesn't look quite right. I don't know. It's, it, it, it was it was it was a sufficient for the movie, but it still has Polar Express kind of it all over. Here, here's here's what I'll say about it. For me, it works. The imperfections actually work better for this because mm-hmm. Clue is meant to be a program and meant to be sort of evil and kind of and, – and meant and meant to be off. He's not supposed to be a perfect carbon copy of of uh, Kevin Flynn. So it, right. for me, the, the imperfections actually make it look better. If you look too much like it, I might have had an issue with it. So I, I, I dug that part of it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean that's, that's definitely a way to look at it. Um, real quick, off-topic, Restropo. Is that something you've heard of before? Why why does that sound familiar to me? Restropo? Restropo, yeah, there you go. It's a, it's a documentary about a about a a base in Afghanistan. It's very good. Very good. I'm going to put that on my Netflix Instagram then. Um, yeah, hold off on that. You might not have to. Oh, actually that might be why it sounds familiar. I think I already got a screener of it. I yeah, one of our friends had got a screener of it and I am using that screener at the moment. Oh. So if you, I, I'll talk to him. But if you want it after me, then I'm sure he'll be fine with it. I think I think I possibly got it already. That might be where I know the name from. But um, we not only are going to talk about um, Tron Legacy, we actually got a chance to sit down with a couple of the stars and talk a little bit about what they wanted uh, or what what their experience with the movie was like. Um, first, uh, we'll, we'll we'll save the the uh, the dude uh, for last because I think it's only fair that he is the finale uh, because he is the dude. Uh, but we'll start with the beautiful Olivia Wilde. Um, Woohoo! You know, the, the character she plays is a very different kind of character. It's it's, it's a very naive, almost naive um, in the ways... It, it, you know what it reminded me of? And this is going to be hard. You're going to hate this reference. But uh, she <laughs> she reminded me of, of um, uh, Leona Huxley in uh, Demolition Man, Sandra Bullock's character, ah. who... 
Christ who sake. who is always looking to the 20th century, uh, like she doesn't know what it is, and and, and Cora kind of looks at the real world the same. Thing. I, I I get the comparison. I I get the comparison. You just I don't just, like it. I, know. I, I no, I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I, no, the, Cora is probably the most fun character in the movie. Not only is she sexy, but she's also a badass too. She kicks a yeah. lot of ass in this movie. Uh, whether she's in a, a light cycle or if she's uh, fighting, she kicks ass. But the oh, thing about the comes out of Zeus's place is vicious. The, Oh, exactly. But the, the thing that's that's coolest about her is that she's the one who's she's uh, Kevin Flynn's disciple, and he's just kind of been teaching her about the ways of the of the real world, you know, showing her books and telling her about how how life is. But she's never experienced it, so that's her main dream is to kind of get out and see the world for herself. So she, yeah, she is a little naive and a little wide eyed, but uh, that's what makes her so much fun. Yeah, and I thought that was the coolest part of the character. So, the, you know, of course, the first thing you're going to ask is what attracted you to this? I mean, anybody's going to take a role in Tron Legacy of this big, huge production, but what attracted her to this particular role? Well, whenever you're sort of reprising a film and doing a sequel after so much time, especially a film that had such cultural resonance as Tron, you feel a certain responsibility to do it justice. And Cora was introduced as a new character that I wanted to um, create in a way that would stay true to the, the, the themes of the original, that would um, represent uh, something that relevant to the original question that the original Tron was asking. So the idea of what is our relationship to technology, um, is all technology inherently uh, um, uh, evil, can it be created for good, all these questions. So I was interested in just what Cora would represent and then when we started really discussing the character, I was interested in her being unlike any female role in any of these big action-adventure flicks. I wanted her to be for the girls. I wanted her to be a warrior, but also very intelligent and very vulnerable and compassionate. And so I had a lot of fun researching her. And it became more and more of a joy to create Cora as I found different cultural references, historical references to inspire me. One of the major ones was Joan of Arc. Once it kind of clicked in for me that Cora was Joan of Arc of the cyber universe, I felt so confident that whatever they threw at me, whatever script revisions came my way, I understood her perspective. Um, you know, and the reason she's Joan of Arc is because Joan of Arc was this unlikely warrior, this kid who was leading the French army. She had a kind of supernatural strength, um, carrying this giant sword, huge chainmail uh, armor, but also this kind of compassion, optimism, and, and light. Um, and so that's what I wanted in Korra. It's an unusual combination to be a kid and also a warrior. Um, and so I just, I had so much fun with that, and I'm really pleased with the result. So it sounds like she actually created a lot of what we see in that character herself, which is really cool to know, uh, and, and speaks a lot towards her ability as an actress. Um, now, when we're making a movie like this, obviously what we see on screen is not what they see as they're making the movie. So it can be kind of jarring almost if if you act in a movie and then to see this finished product that's totally different than what you remember shooting. So we had to ask her what she thought of that finished product. I can honestly say the film has surpassed all my expectations as far as how overwhelmingly cool it is. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was going to look cool. I knew it was going to sound cool. But everything put together just for me it's it's like this revolution in filmmaking and film watching it really feels like you're on a ride and that was something that i think we hoped for but when i saw it for the first time the other night in 3d i realized like wow this is major this is this is more than a movie um 
And so I'm really, really proud of it. I, I, I was curious to see how they painted in the rest of the world that we couldn't see. I was very curious when we were shooting how Clue would end up looking, because when I worked with Jess, of course, he was wearing this face replacement motion capture rig, uh, what I called the Teletubby hat. Um, he had lots of little <laughs> dots all over his face. And even with that, you know, distraction, he was able to create such a compelling and terrifying character in Clue. So I was very curious to see how that turned out. And I think it's just extraordinary. Now, with something like Tron, you have obviously a built-in audience. You have a cult following. Um, but it's not a built-in audience that's going to get you major blockbuster numbers at the at the, at the the theater. So um, we wanted to know what Olivia thought about um, or how Olivia thought non-fans would take the film. What what would entice a non-fan of the original Tron to get out and see Tron Legacy? People certainly don't have to have seen the original to enjoy Tron Legacy. It stands on its own. Um, I think what they'll get out of it is an experience of seeing four different types of filmmaking technology being used for the first time simultaneously. I think they'll enjoy uh, really interesting actors trying things you know they've never done before. Look at Michael Sheen has created this amazing kind of androgynous Ziggy Stardust villain uh, that you absolutely love to hate. And uh, then, of course, Jeff Bridges playing two different roles. It's really extraordinary to watch him work and to, to see the result of that. So I think people can expect um, an experience unlike anything they've seen before. I think standards have been raised in recent years in terms of what filmmakers um, can can use to, to entice an audience that is so often kept home by the fact that they have great entertainment systems in their home. Why go to the movies? Tron is one of those movies that you don't want to miss in the theater. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad that people are still making those movies, the kind that really give you an experience. And I'm glad that she brings up the fact that people have such great sound systems and, and, and theater systems in their house that there's not much of a reason to go to the theater, um, and that this is one of those movies that makes you go to the theater. Um, so that's Olivia Wilde. That's what she had to say about Tron. We were very thankful to get her on uh, and thank her for her time. Um, and now on to the dude. Um, Where's the wait, money, Lebowski? Where is the money? I should have uploaded that sound clip. Didn't think about it. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the weird things for him has got to be watching this on screen, seeing himself talking to himself. Not And people have seen that. We've seen that since Multiplicity and even farther back, you know, when you've got multiples on stage. You know, our boy uh, Army Hammer from uh, The Social Network seeing himself as a twin. But how is it to see yourself on screen but yourself 20 years ago talking to yourself today that's got to be a little bit weird um so we had to we had to ask uh, jeff what what was it like to see the younger um clue uh well the, the younger him in clue on screen it was very bizarre i remember uh, uh and i haven't seen the final version yet so you're, you're ahead of me on that score and i but i know these guys the the, the wizards who have been you know, perfecting the way uh, Clue looks, the character that I play, uh, where I'm, I guess I'm, who's about 30 years younger than I am. Uh, when they uh, when they first created that, they uh, called upon my wife to come in and give the final uh, tweaks. They figured that she knew me better than anybody, and uh, and what she was working with was a is a head, a clay head. Uh, that they then they scan into the computer and then I get to drive that head. Isn't that bizarre? A younger version of myself. So yeah, that's that's gonna be unsettling almost to do that. Um, 
But uh, also, we, we what was that? I can't even stand to look at myself in photographs. Yeah, no, I, I can't. And then to see not only your younger self, but it, there is some artistic uh, input given as well. So what people thought your younger self looked like even more has got to be a little jarring. But um, yeah. we uh, we asked Jeff, not that he would really know this type of thing, but uh, how, how did they do the younger you? What, what was the process? And we got a kind of a non-technical answer from him. I take photographs sometimes, you know, when I'm working, I make, I make books. This is a book I made for for the cast and crew. And I was I have a picture of that. This is kind of like, this gives you an idea here, over here. And of course you of, can't see this, but a clue day at work. Yeah, you, can, you of course you can't see it, but what it is is a picture of of him with a bunch of dots all over his head. I mean, everybody's seen that motion capture. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's basically just saying that uh, he keeps scrapbooks of everything and showing off that uh, particular photograph. Um, also, you know, obviously making the original, being the one that was in the original, and, and making the original in a time where technology was nowhere near movie making technology was nowhere near what it is today. Um, but yet they were still breaking the boundary lines. What? How different is that experience from making the original Tron to making Tron like? Well, yeah, making movies without cameras. That's entirely. Uh, you know, I had never done anything like that, so it was a. Uh, Completely different, yeah. And he only gives us about uh, two words of answers there, so uh, it was different. <laughs> That's about it. But uh, what, what he wanted to talk on most, you know, Jeff wasn't, isn't the most verbose of people um, when it comes to sitting there and chatting about movies. Great guy, but not the most verbose. Um, but he did have quite a bit to say about the relationship between father and son that's central to this story. Uh, well, as the... Uh, as the title implies, legacy. You know, I thought that this was an opportunity for us to to really create a, a modern day myth about technology and what kind of legacy we're leaving our kids and, and and what we have to to offer them as far as guidance on how to you know navigate these kind of dangerous waters. You know, all this technology it can it can bring us together and drive us apart uh, and. Uh, in the beginning of the film, it's driven the, this father and son uh, quite far apart, and uh, I don't want to get too much into the plot and deprive people of the surprises. But uh, uh, it was wonderful working with Garrett, you know, uh, as my son. He, he kind of reminds me of myself in looks and his demeanor, and uh, we hung out quite a bit and developed. Uh, quite a, a good relationship off camera, and I think that informs both of our performances. You know, he's wonderful, wonderful in Tron. And that is great, Jeff Bridges, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff. Um, so we'd like to thank again. I always forget how long this fucking clip is. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we, we'd like to thank Jeff and uh, Olivia for coming on the show and uh, giving us some of their time so we could get them and get their answers out to you guys. Um, and I guess that brings us to our final scores for Tron. Unless there's anything else you wanted to add? No, no, no. I don't. I was, I was looking forward to giving away our scores, but I'll let you go first. Um, I, I have to be honest. <clears throat> I, I give it a solid three and a half. We don't really do quarter points here, but I, I would give it a three, uh, three and three quarters. But uh, I'll just give it a three mm-hmm. and a half Gutenberg score. Uh, it was a great movie, visually stunning. Plot had some things lacking, but I, I think it was made up for in in the sheer enjoyability of the watching the movie itself. Right. 
No, I, I'm totally with you. Uh, I think Tron Legacy is a sensory experience like uh, you're probably not going to see this year and probably not next year, uh, you know, considering the movies that, that uh, we know are coming out next year. Uh, I think this is probably going to be the the best-looking thing you're going to see in a while. It's it's definitely the most gorgeous movie I've seen since since Avatar and the best use of 3D. Also, uh, I think it's a solid 3.5 out of 5. Uh, there are some issues with the plot, I guess, but to me they, they're far overshadowed by the sheer fun of it all. Uh, so I think Tron Legacy is definitely a sequel worth going to check out. Uh, maybe hopefully they won't wait 28 years between the next one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be a next one. Uh, even if the even if the ending doesn't exactly lead me to believe there will be, I can certainly see reasons why there would be. So yeah, oh certainly, especially uh, with its take of the box office, which is sitting at about 68 million dollars right now, I think, uh, yep. for the weekend. Um, which brings us right into nice segue there. Uh, our box office Ooh. weekend uh, tally numbers. Tron Legacy. I was way off on that. Why, where did I get 63 million dollars from? Oh, cause, because I because that's the that's, that's that's the worldwide total. Actually, the worldwide total oh. is like 66 million. Um, but uh, the, the domestic grosses stands at 43.6. I'm sorry, but Olivia Wilde is just breathtaking in these pictures, like with the black hair and just the, <laughs> the, 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 the cause it, it, where I'm getting my box office numbers. There's a picture of her in the light cycle, kind of just looking off, and just her mm-hmm. stare is just intoxicating. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, so um, Tron in at number one, domestic total 43.6 million dollars. Um, you know, it's got it's got a ways to go before it recoups its budget because it budgeted at almost two hundred million dollars. But I mean, that's still a fairly good start. Probably not as good as they hoped for, but it's it's a it's a good start for no. the movie. Oh, exactly. No, this is I'm sure this is actually more than they could have hoped for. We're talking about a movie that had that. Let's be honest, when it came out in 1982, uh, kind mm-hmm. of bombed. It didn't that's do true. very yeah. well. It it made a total of 33 million dollars. Uh, back in 1982, which, you know, that's different than it would be now. That'd be a lot more now uh, mm-hmm. because the attendance is so different. But, um, but yeah, it, it wasn't exactly a huge hit. So, and then you're waiting 30 years in between. Most of your audience is older or probably maybe not even around anymore. Uh, so I think they're probably very happy with the $43 million opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in at number two, with $16.7 million, less than half of Tron is, hey, boo-boo, it's Yogi Bear coming in. You know, we left this one off the schedule this week. Uh, we only lined up Tron Legacy and The Fighter, and I want to talk about the King's Speech for a moment. But uh, we left this one off the schedule, and I probably shouldn't have because it is a major film. But let me just go out and just say, give my two-word review of Yogi Bear right now. Yeah. Shit sucks. Shit okay? sucks. It sucks. It don't don't waste your money going to see it. It's extremely disappointing. And I'm a hu- I was a huge Yogi Bear fan when I was a kid. I love oh, yeah. Yogi Bear. I love Yogi Bear. Hey, yeah, and and I would I would watch them even in like Laugh Olympics. You know, I, I love Yogi oh, Bear yeah. and everything. Yeah, Laugh Olympics was awesome. So I forgot I, about I Laugh Olympics. Yeah, I like Yogi Bear and Boo Boo. Uh, but you know, I was not happy when I learned that they're making this movie. And this is exactly the reason why it it does everything that it takes everything that made Yogi Bear fun when you were a kid, and just totally ignores it and leaves it out. It it expands into this really lame, 
skit that involves all these human characters that you don't really give a shit about. Mm-hmm. It's a plot that you would never, ever want to see Yogi Bear involved in. I mean, we're talking about uh, an evil mayor of the t- city who wants to sell a national park. He wants to sell na- Jellystone Park. It's a national park, and he wants to sell. First of all, he can't do that, and second, of- <laughs> and then second of all, you don't care if you <laughs> you don't care either way because this shit's so improbable. It, it, the only thing that's even remotely good about it is Justin Timberlake as Boo Boo. I'm I'm convinced that he can do pretty much anything he wants, and it's going to be good. Yeah, uh, I, I've I wanted to hate on Justin Timberlake so bad, and then yeah, I, me too. I saw him in Alpha Dog, and he was so likable, um, even in, in that role. I mean, yeah, and and then you know he he. He does his voice acting now, and he uses the social network. Everything he does is 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 gold. Yeah, so. it's really annoying that that guys like him can do anything. You know, he yeah. ha- doesn't, doesn't he have enough already? Does he have to be able to be good at everything? I want him to suck at something. I know. I want, I him, mean, to be, I want him to be like when Michael Jordan tried to play baseball. I yeah. want him to. I want him to have that moment of swinging and missing at everything. I want. Yeah. <laughs> I want him to have that for for a minute, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Well, he he does he does play basketball as a hobby, so maybe he'll try like Master P did and uh, try to get a, an NBA contract, and we'll see him fail miserably. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Yogi be- Bear avoid it at all costs. It is atrocious. Speaking of failing miserably, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia: The Voyage of the Dawn Treader uh, coming in at number three with twelve point four million dollars. I have not seen this one yet. What was the uh, what was the uh, verdict last week when you guys talked about it? Uh, it's I think it's the best of the three. Uh-huh. But See, I'm a Narnia not, fan. Not, so I, I liked I. the first one, um, so and the I. second one was all right. I, I was surprised to discover that I actually owned the first one when I was going through my DVD collection the other day. Uh, but I, this, I think this is the best one, but that's really not saying much. I, I don't think all that highly of the first two. Right. I, I mean, I, I just don't think they're all that good. I, I don't like any of the characters. This one is a little bit better because it focuses on the only two kids that had any personality to begin with. Which is, you know, the the youngest girl whose name escapes me right now, and the brother. I think his name is Edmund. I think it's Edmund. Yeah, Edmund and Lucy. Edmund and Lucy Penavis. Uh They're the only two characters that really matter, and so it focuses mostly on them. And it, it's best because of that. But it's still not all. It's still not very good. I don't know what the what their journey and quest was about, and it didn't really seem to be much of a point. It was just sort of aimless. But yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I'm still looking forward to seeing that one. I, I haven't seen it yet. It's, it's on yeah. my uh, to-do list for the week. Uh, coming in at number four, uh, an uh, awesome movie that we'll be talking about here shortly, The Fighter. Uh, going into wide release, it's actually been out for two weeks now, but it's it's just going into wide release now. Um, still not as wide as Tron or Yogi or anything like that. It's about 1,000 theaters less, but uh, making $12.2 million, which I think is respectable for this film. It is. Um, uh, $12.2 million for the fighter, taking it to 12.6 total. Um, number five, another more proof, and I hope Tim's listening, more proof <laughs> that the movie star is dead. The tourist starring <laughs> the two biggest movie stars in the world, Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie, <laughs> making $8.7 million. This movie is bombing, yeah. and there's nothing else you yeah. can say about it. We, 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 we talked a good deal about this movie last week, and, uh, and a lot about the movie stars and... And you know how this movie might have might have turned out differently. Uh, I, I've I'm on record as saying I wish somebody else was in it other than Johnny Depp, somebody yeah. more more glamorous than he is. I, I just don't think of him that way. But um, yeah, this movie has problems all over the place, and like you said, it's it's really shitting up a storm here. It's not doing anything. Yeah, and number six, Tangled with eight point six million dollars. Um, 
127 million dollars. Yeah, it's doing well, but these budget numbers can't be right because it says it's budgeted at 260 million dollars. No, 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 that's right. I've read that before. They've been making this thing for years. They've making they've been making this movie for a long time, like many years. Jesus Christ, that's a Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, the thing is, don't make it back on video, but. You factor in all the years they were making it, and the uh, and the man hours, which goes into every budget, of course, and uh, and all that stuff, and uh, yeah, they said it was r- upwards of two hundred forty to two hundred fifty million dollars. So that's crazy. What uh, I'm glad it? to see making the top ten is uh, at number seven is Black Swan, uh, which, as we discussed, did have its problems, but uh, is definitely a movie worth seeing. Uh, Eight point three million dollars, bringing that to a uh, fifteen million dollar total. That is now a success uh, with a budget still- of thirteen million. It's still only at about nine hundred something theaters. It still yeah, hasn't gone. Nine hundred fifty nine theaters. It's got a yeah. it's got a per theater average of of eight thousand dollars, which isn't the sixty thousand dollars it had previously. But you know, it's still a, a ridiculously high number. Um, right. So, uh, and this one I'm kind of surprised about falling into the ninth spot place, dropping forty two percent is uh, Harry Potter uh, with four point eight million dollars, but still well, doing did pretty damn good with two hundred sixty five yeah. million domestic. Yeah, well, you skipped you skipped number eight, which is the oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. the uh, the other the other new release this week, which is how do you know? This is the uh, uh, the comedy from uh, from James L. Brooks, you know, the guy who did broadcast news and Spanglish and all that stuff. Uh, this is the romantic comedy starring Reese Witherspoon, uh, Owen Wilson, and pa- Paul Rudd and Jack Nicholson, and it debuted at a lowly seven point six million dollars. This is the bomb of the week and of the month. By far, uh, yeah, this the amazing budget, by the way, is one hundred twenty right. million dollars. One hundred twenty million dollars, which I, I've written about, uh, I think, three times this week because I think it's so funny. But the fact is, the four stars take up fifty million dollars of the budget, mm-hmm. which is why it costs so much. I still want to know where the hell the other seventy comes from because there's not that much going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't. It's not as if they go through a lot of traveling or anything. There's they're just in, a, in an office building in a hotel for the entire time, so I don't know what, what, where the other seventy comes from. But the fact that the four stars take up more money than this movie is going to come even close to earning, right, is is sad in and of itself. And it's also sad that James L. Brooks movies can't make any money anymore, no matter who the stars are, because these are big names that are in this movie. And I mean, Reese Witherspoon is the top earning female actress right now, and yeah. she can't she can't make this thing work. I have a feeling that's going to begin to change here soon, um, as as we see uh, these um, actors and actresses not not bringing in the money uh, that they should be bringing in. That their their paychecks are going to start dwindling real quick. Uh, but we'll we'll see about that. We'll see if that actually happens or not. Um, yep. In at number ten, still holding on to a top ten spot is Unstoppable uh, with one point eight million. Uh, that's a seventy seven million dollar take for them total. Um, yeah. And uh, there's nothing other, no other real big uh, news is on the horizon there as far as box office goes. No. No, yeah. that, that's it. That's it. Pretty much it. Uh, unsto- unstoppable, you know, average movie, average, average box office. So. Yeah. So that's your box office for the day. Moving on to DVDs. Um, not too much really coming up. Last week was a big week. As I'm, I'm sure you guys was, talked about. Last week was big. This week is pretty big too. I mean, it might not be for the best movies, but. In terms of movies that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in picking up, there's some there's some did stuff. Did you guys that... real quick last week? Did you guys talk about the one of the best martial art gunfighting movies that's coming out on Blu-ray? Did you yeah. guys talk about that? 
John Which, Woo's Hard Boiled. We did not talk about Hard Boiled. Hard Boiled is out on Blu-ray for anybody that was interested in that and awesome. that was missed out on um, because obviously I wasn't around to hold shit together <laughs> and everything just fucking hits the fan. Everything. And, I know. How, you know, can not, how can we not talk about Hard Boiled? I knew what something went wrong last what week. What the fuck was wrong with us last week? Oh, jeez. All uh. right. Well, coming out this Wednesday, uh, or wait, the 17th is not Wednesday. What, what's Tuesday. today? Today's the, tw- today's the 19th and this shit's coming out on the 21st. Oh no! The, the seventeenth was the Tower and the Legends of the Guardians. This, that was uh, all last week's stuff. Oh, why does it say? Where the hell are you at? No, see the thing is, those are uh, all last week's stuff. But they came out. They came out um, on uh, yeah, on Friday for some weird reason. I, 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 I don't. I know. But uh, uh, yeah, these well, are the movies for this week, the twenty-first. You you have one glaring awesome movie that's coming out this yeah. next week, and that's Easy A. Um, Starring Emma Emma um, Stone, Emma Stone. Too many Emmas now. Emma Roberts, Emma Watson, Emma uh, Emma Stone in Easy A, an amazing movie, uh, easily up there with the uh, the John Hughes classics. I, I, I definitely think you should check it out if you haven't got a chance to yet. Uh, that's coming out on DVD Tuesday. That, that one's a must buy for me. That one's yeah. already already been pre ordered for me. Uh, I I think that's one of the top female performances we saw this year, and I'm. Probably be, mm-hmm. be, be, I'll probably be mentioning it next week when we do our top ten performances of the year. So, yeah, I watched it again recently, and and um, and I just was blown away even more by the supporting cast of this movie with Stanley yeah. Tucci and, and um, man, my my names are off there. I want to say Patricia Clarkson. Clarkson. No, um, um, Sandman. Not, not Patricia Clarkson. Oh, oh, uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, Thomas Church Hayden or Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, Thomas uh, Church Hayden. I, you know me, my I guess I'm dyslexic. Make fun, make fun, <laughs> make fun of man glasses. Come on. I am. I uh, am making fun of you. I, I would have made fun of uh, of of uh, what's his name, uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner too in the Cosby Show. Remember he had dyslexia. Uh, that's was, right. <laughs> I would have made fun of him too. <laughs> um, also coming out is uh, Family Guy. It's a trap. I got a I got a sneak peek at this one. Mm-hmm. Don't buy it. Um, it's it's actually. <laughs> It's, 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 no, it's, I'm serious. It's, it's really pathetic that they're releasing this as a DVD purchase, and, and it's really a fuck you to all the Family Guy fans because it's if they were playing it on TV first and then offering it as a uh, DVD, that'd be fine. But literally the opening crawl says, hey, they made us make this movie, so forgive us if it sucks. They yeah. literally say that. They say, they say we made – the Blue Harvest Wars <clears throat> one, and and we were in the middle of making Empire Strikes Back, and they said you had to make Return of the Jedi. This is all in the opening crawl, the Star Wars crawl, and they were like, so you know, we just kind of threw some stuff out there, you know, whatever. And, hey, that, and like, that makes like, you want to go buy it right now. Half the characters aren't even up from Family Guy; they're using characters from American Dad and um, and the other Seth MacFarlane ventures, uh, Cleveland Show, and all that stuff. Oh. And it's just it's a real stinker. It's They've not got- worth. My- They've got multiple versions of it out on the of the entire trilogy out this week. So uh anybody who really feels like they need to get get this set can get it. They have uh was it It's a Trap, Something Something Dark Side and Blue Harvest all together right. on Blu ray and D V D. So if you want to buy them, go ahead. And the first two were actually um the first two were actually pretty good. Um mm-hmm. so uh I'd watch those, but I I wouldn't buy the trilogy. Right. I wouldn't buy this one. Just listen right. to me on this one. It sucks. Uh, right. Like we said, Wall Street's coming out. Salt. Yeah, Wall Street. I just skip past Wall Street. We have Wall Street's coming out. Uh, Salt. No, talk about Wall Street. Money never sleeps for a second. What? Did you get to see that? Uh, no. 
you did not. Well, no wonder you didn't want to talk about it then. Well, <laughs> Wall Street Money Never Sleeps is the sequel to the 1980s film. Um, you know, it's doing sort of a Tron thing. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is about these movies from the 80s coming out 20, 30 years later after the fact. But uh, Wall Street 2 is actually actually pretty good. Uh, it it's it's at its best when it's dealing with Gordon Gecko. Obviously, he's the best thing about Wall Street, and uh, when he's going, you know, kind of toe to toe with a with uh, Carrie Mulligan, who plays his daughter, it, it only struggles when when Shia LaBeouf is on screen, and that's just because he can't he can't go toe to toe with those that quality of actor. He can't go against Michael Douglas. He can't stand up to Carrie Mulligan. He's just not nearly as good as them. But it's a, it's a decent movie. It's a good sequel, worth seeing. Yeah, um, I, well, I, I, it's definitely on my list to see. It's just I just didn't get around to seeing it when it was out. Um, yeah. Salt, which I thought was kind of a stinker. I, I know how tough it is to get to all those free screenings we get invited to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of us have to work for a living. <laughs> not all of us, uh, not oh, all of us so, can subsist oh, on yeah, our, no, on, on our Google, Google AdSense revenue that I don't see any of, that you take all of our hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> I don't I don't have to work or anything either. You're right. <laughs> what I meant was some of us are more motivated than the others. Uh, <laughs> some of us aren't as lazy as others. Um or motivated, more motivated by not going to as many screenings as me. That's how. That's where yes, <laughs> yes. I make it a point to not see as many movies as you. If you see six movies, I'm definitely only seeing five. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, there's Did you really say salt. Yeah, as you said, salt. I didn't want to spend too much time on that because it kind of sucked. It did um, suck. It's it's disappointing because I, I like Angelina Jolie as an action star. But yeah. uh, th- just she something needs to put more weight back on, man. Because I'm, I'm telling you, if you if you look at the shots, look at some screenshots from Tomb Raider, and yeah, look at the meat she has on her bones, and then you look at her now, and it's like she. I, I think we had this exact same discussion when we were reviewing Salt, and it's just unbelievable to watch this fragile, frail little woman, yeah. uh, you know, kicking ass. We did talk about it during that, and we talked about it pretty extensively last week too, talking about the tourist, how mm-hmm. thin she was. Uh, Tim Gordon was especially offended by how thin she was. Uh, you left out one major film. That I'm surprised you just skipped over. Oh, uh, Step Up 3D or Devil? Step, step, step Up. Well, yeah, both actually. Step Up 3. Uh, <laughs> step Up 3 is so bad. I demand everybody watch it at least once. That's 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 how bad it is that I think everyone should at least see it. Uh, it's ridiculous how silly and self-important these step-up movies are. You know, when yeah. you start talking about how dancing will change the world, well, no, it doesn't. Uh, it'd be nice if it did, because then Savion Glover would be the president of the fucking world, but he's not. Uh, these movies are <laughs> just really silly, uh, but they're so silly that everybody should at least check them out once. And Devil, which is the M. Night Shyamalan-produced uh, horror movie, did you get a chance to see Devil? Uh No. You didn't get the chance to see that one. Go nope. check that out because it's it's a really nice Hitchcockian style horror. Uh, yeah. But about four people trapped in a, I think no, it's five people trapped in an elevator, and one of them uh, turns out to be the devil, and all types of crazy shit starts going on. I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, it mm. made money, so we're going to see more of this. This is actually a planned uh, trilogy of of. Uh, of sorts, the movies aren't connected in any way, but it's a it's a horror trilogy all produced by by M Night Shyamalan. Uh, I, I like this. I'm anxious to see how the next one is going to be. Uh, it's it's definitely worth seeing. It's not it's not scary. It's just freaky. Yeah, well, see, that's that's like I, I'm the freaky stuff gets me more than the scary stuff anyway. So oh, me too, me too, absolutely. So 
I mean, I definitely am looking forward to seeing that. Um, on the news front, I, I, you know, I looked through uh, the headlines, everything that I kept up with over this past week that I that I could catch up on, um, mm-hmm. other than the Fast Five trailer, and I saw you put up the Paul trailer, which I'm amazed I missed because I've been waiting for that trailer for a long time. Um, was there right. any other news that you wanted to talk about? Well, the big, the biggest news of the week, obviously, is that uh, John Favreau is not coming back to direct Iron Man three. Uh, he's already to, uh, made this known to Marvel that he's moving on from the superhero franchise. Uh, but he's going to stay in their good graces. I mean, Marvel is owned by Disney now, and Favreau is going to be doing uh, the Magic Kingdom, that movie, for Disney. Uh, so he's he's still in their good graces. He's got Cowboys and Aliens coming up also probably next year, I think. So he's in high demand right now, and he's yeah. going to be demanding a, a really huge salary. So I think it was likely that Marvel might not have brought him back anyway, but he beat them to it and just kind of said, hey, I'm moving on. Yeah, I think as long as the story stays straight, we keep Robert Downey. I think we're going to be all right without without Favreau for this one. But who would you? Who do you think would be a good replacement, though? I was trying to think about it, and I, I couldn't come up with any names of people I thought would be a great fit. I mean, I mean, Favreau the first name that comes not... to mind is Woody Allen, but I mean, that's just in my world. Oh yeah, of course, he's the first person <laughs> I thought of too. But you know, I was thinking about it, and I was like, Favreau is not the type of director that has a style that sticks out. He's he sort does. of. Sort of, you know, he's sort of a, a generic type director. I mean, I've seen his, his other movies outside of Iron Man. He doesn't, he doesn't, he just doesn't do anything that sticks out to me. Yeah, so I, mean, tra- I was trying to think the, of a director that was sort of similar. He really hit big with Iron Man, but you know what? The thing is, anybody could have hit big with Iron Man if they knew how to use a camera because there are some. He does, he does do good action shots. I will give him that, but the the, the script and the the visuals are, are what makes that movie what it is. I mean, he is a very generic. He he doesn't have signature shots. He doesn't have a, a very specific way that you can tell it's a John Favreau movie by watching it. Other than the fact that he's only really directed Iron Man in the action world. Um, right. You know, so I, I think that's why I think we're going to be okay with a different director on this one. No, I agree. I I, I don't think anything is really going to stand in the way of keep of making Iron Man a success. So I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Um, the, the the my favorite news of the week. This is the best news for me. Uh, George Clooney is replacing Robert Downey Jr. in uh, the sci-fi film Gravity, which is being made by Alfonso Cuarón, who did uh, Children of Men a few years ago. Uh, I've been looking forward to this movie ever since it was first announced. Uh, anybody who's been reading the site knows that this movie has gone through more headaches than any other movie of recent memory. I mean, it's Angelina Jolie was attached to it, and she backed out twice. They asked her twice, and she said no twice. They had Natalie Portman who wanted it, and this, that that ended up not working out. The studio tested a million actresses. Um, none of them worked out. They went after Sandra Bullock. They loved her, but, you know, nobody else seemed to like her all that much. Right. Uh, and, but then she ended up getting a role anyway because the studio always gets what they want. So they got Sandra Bullock anyway. She's the lead. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was there the entire time. He'd been signed off from the very beginning as in the supporting male role. Uh, but because of all the delays and getting the damn thing up and running, he had to back out. I mean, he was Sherlock Holmes and... Iron Man, all types of other shit coming out. Oh yeah, his, but, he's that, he's booked for the next f- probably five years straight. But I'm right. glad to see Clooney back in in a different kind of genre because I mean the last sci-fi movie he did was Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, I mean, and other than that, other than he, he other had than that, Polaris. 
He had Solaris. Oh, Solaris. I forgot about Solaris. Okay, he did have Solaris. But, you know, and, and he was great from um, from Dust Till Dawn, but you don't really see him in that type of role that often. I mean, right. in an in action gear role, and I think he does it well. Um, you know, but he's he's mainly based towards drama or romantic comedies. Right. Not really romantic comedies, but you know what I mean. Right. Uh, so that, that was that made me very happy. Uh, oh, yeah, a couple other things. Uh, do you remember the movie Firestarter with Drew Barrymore? Yes. Right. They're, right, they're they're doing a remake of that. Uh, that'll be coming out. That'll be getting into production soon. Uh, I'm not happy about that. No word on who will be directing or starring in it as of yet, but I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Uh, David Fincher will be directing Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea for Disney. Uh, we've kind of known that for a while, but it's been confirmed. And the last bit of news that I wanted to talk about was Mel Gibson's The Beaver, which is. Uh, it meant to be his big comeback movie. This is the one where he's uh, with Jodie Foster, and he plays a husband who uh, is estranged from his family. He finds a, an old beaver puppet in the garbage. Oh, I thought this was about begins, something totally different. I thought he was making no, a movie to porn. No, and uh, he begins talking through the puppet exclusively. Uh, this one's been delayed for a while because of his all, his off-camera uh, shenanigans, his racist rantings and all that stuff. Um they had planned a spring release, and we finally got a firm release date on it now, and it's going to be coming out uh, in a limited release on March 23rd, and it'll be expanding uh, to a national release on April 8th. I'm looking forward to this. We have the trailer on the site. Uh, it looks really good. Uh, it couldn't be a more perfect role for Gibson at this point in his career. So, mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see how he does with that, if, if he can make a comeback. Um, we'll see if he does there. Uh, I'm going to check out the trailer for Paul. You can check out all this stuff and more yeah. at www.punchdrunkcritics.com. If you're doing last-minute Christmas shopping, Amazon can still get you your orders uh, to your house by Christmas. So uh, go ahead to our site, follow the Amazon link, buy some shit. It'll be good for us. It'll be good for you. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas, yes. everyone. Uh, and all I- good night. And I want to make sure I thank everybody who's uh, actually been using it because this has been our biggest month yet for uh, yes, we do appreciate buying, buying through our Amazon link on the site. Uh, it's like I always tell people: go to the go to the site, click on the Amazon link, and as soon as you do that, just save it to your favorites. That way, every time you go to Amazon, you do, you don't have to go through the site; you can just go straight to your favorites, and it's the the our code is already inputted into the into the uh, the link. And you won't have to even think about it anymore. That's the best yeah, way to do it. We hate schlock, but you know, we, the uh, the site and the show and everything doesn't pay for itself. So if you could help us out a little bit that way, you know, it, it doesn't cost you anything more than you'd be spending anyway. So we do appreciate it, and we appreciate everybody that goes to the site. Even if you're just coming to read and not buy stuff, you know, we appreciate everybody that comes there. www.puckbrokebricks.com. Uh, join us every day. Um, so on to uh, the fighter. If you didn't have any other news, um, no, 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 that was all for the news. Let's jump right into the fighter. Yeah, this this I actually uh, watched finally today. Um, what an amazing movie I thought this was. Um, it, well, the movie as a whole was very good. It wasn't amazing, but there were certainly amazing parts to it, I thought. Uh, basically, uh, I went over the, the, the plot a little bit earlier, but it basically follows um, Mickey and Dickie Ward. Uh, Dickie. Or, or, uh, and, yeah, what, let's, Dickie let's make sure, let's make sure we get it right. Right, Dickie Eckler. Let's get it right. Because our press folks were 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 impounding it upon us to make sure we got his name right. It is Dickie Eckland. Yeah, Dickie Eckland and Mickey Ward. Uh, Dickie Eckland was a uh, a fighter that rose to prominence in the late seventies. He was the pride of Lowell, Massachusetts. His his 
most famous thing was he fought Sugar Ray Leonard uh, and knocked him. Was it Robinson or Leonard? It was Leonard, right? It's Sugar Ray Leonard, yeah. Yeah. Um, who, and, who makes a very funny cameo in the movie. Yeah, probably. he does. He does. Um, and, and uh, you know, he fought him, went, went the distance with him and knocked him down, uh, possibly. Uh, that's, that's something that's discussed in the movie. But uh, I've, I've, seen, I've seen that fight. <laughs> I have my own opinion on whether or not he knocked him down or not. <laughs> well, it really makes it seem like he doesn't. Um, but... <laughs> You know, this is a guy who's made his entire life off of knocking down somebody that maybe didn't knock him down. Uh, and from there, he basically descended into darkness. He he, he picked up a drug addiction, uh, you know, fell out of boxing, everything like this. And, and then he uh, his brother, uh, Mickey Ward, he begins to train him, and he, he's he's his trainer and everything like that. And uh, you still there? I'm here. Okay, I, I just got some static. I wasn't sure if I lost it or not. Um, and, and basically, it's a story of uh, of Mickey Ward, who's trying. You know, he's late in his career. He's he's thirty, and he's trying to make his last run for it. And he's kind of held back by his family and and Dickie mm-hmm. and everything. And, and he's got this real battle inside him on whether to do what's best for him or whether to do what is right to his family. Um, he's trying and, to be loyal. He's trying to be loyal to his family while while trying also to remember that he doesn't have I mean boxing careers are notoriously short. Uh yeah. he he doesn't have a a big window to get where he he wants to go, but his right. family is holding him back. Like you said his brother is a drug addict. He's not there half the time when he's supposed to be training him and his his mother is just sort of blind. It's not in a bad way. She just thinks her son can do anything and she puts him in fights that he can't possibly win. Yeah, and it's not, it's not really fair to him. Uh, yeah, and uh, and and he's just he's just mismanaged. You know, his family is basically uh, all his mom loves Dickie more. You can tell, and 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 they're just not doing the right things by him. He doesn't have, you know, he's he's in a situation where it's either betray your family, even though it's not really betraying your family, but they think it is, uh, or mm-hmm. do what's right for him and and, and possibly get his career to go farther um an amazing amazing performance by uh christian bale really shows that christian bale is this generation's supreme actor one of one of this just generation's supreme actor really real method actor you know he he must have lost 70 pounds to play this role i mean you you see and he just looks like a drug addict and he he really encapsulates his characters i mean every like a lot of a lot of guys you don't notice it because when they're not the center of the camera they're not playing their role sometimes, but mm-hmm. he's when, when that camera cuts on, he is his role. Whether the camera's on him, whether he's out of shot, whether he's whatever, and, and right. it really makes the world a difference in in the uh, in the performance. And and Christian Bale, this has got to be one of his, if not his top performance. I can't think of anything else that really bests it. I think this is the best thing he's ever done. Uh, yeah, he's been great in a lot of things before. Uh, he was very good in The Machinist, where he also lost a ton of weight to play a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is the most complete performance he's ever had. Uh, like you said, he he's, he just totally embodies Dickie Eklund in this movie. But the thing that I, that is most impressive to me is if you've ever seen Dickie Eklund, and they do show him at the end eventually. Mm-hmm. But that's just a, like a snippet of how he actually is. Have you ever seen him before and seen him talk and seen how he acts around people? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that Christian Bale gets it exactly. It's that Bale doesn't try to emulate him. He does it in his own way. Right. He just kind of makes the character his own. 
You know, but, and that's the thing that I like about it. Still portrays who Dickie Eklund was. He, he gets exactly the he gets exactly the essence of who he is, but he doesn't try to imitate him. Is what right. I'm trying to say. He doesn't do that. He he does it in the way he thinks is necessary. He does it in the way he thinks is right. He doesn't try to imitate the guy, which you know I always found insulting when people try to imitate the person yeah. they're trying to be. He doesn't do that here. He just tries. He just makes the character his own. It does it his own way, which is why I like it. Uh, Which only ends up working working the best anyway. I mean, just like look at uh, to keep in the uh, Christian Bale frame of mind. Uh, look at Heath Ledger's Joker. I mean, that was different than any Joker that anybody's ever seen. But he did it his own way, and right. you know, it came out being better than anything that's ever been done. Um, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about the fights in this in this movie. The way they did the fights, they they, they shot it with a different camera to make it look exactly like the HBO fights that you've seen. Um, mm-hmm. In, in in the, I'm not even going to say what the fight is, is like the details about the fight, but in the pivotal fight, the climax fight, um, in the final fight of the movie, is, is there? I couldn't think of a more tense fight than uh, like a Rocky movie or something like that. So, some, so like like the the best boxing matches shown on right. the film. Um, I mean, it's just you you know what's going to happen. I mean, you, you have a good idea of what's going to happen at least. Yeah. Um, and if, if obviously it's based on true story, so if you did a little research, you definitely know what's going to happen. But yeah. it's still it's so tense and it's so it's shot so well um, and everything like that. But at the same time, I did have a problem with um, the actual um, follow through on the fight with, with the, the actual te- technical parts of it, the punches. Mark Wahlberg's punches. Now, while I think his performance in this was great, this is exactly the type of role he should be doing, um, mm-hmm. as as opposed to something like uh, the M Night Shyamalan flick that he did. Um, uh, you know, as opposed to stuff like that where he's trying to emote. Um, you know, this is this is more. I think his, he got plenty of emotion in this movie. He did, me. he did, he did. But I mean, he has to play a certain yeah. type of person. He can't play uh, Joe Joe Normal. Who, who the, the problem with the, kids. the problem with the happening was not as much about Mark Wahlberg as it was about that terrible movie and the awful script. Nobody could have made those lines. He had to say work. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. But, <laughs> but when when the lines are bad. He's horrible. Um and, yeah. and but 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 when when the stuff is good and it when it fits him as a person, like in the departed, you know, he was a tough guy, it fits him well. And in this one he's a he's a tough, sensitive guy and it fits him. You know, he can do it. And he and he does it well. But in the actual technical aspects of the fights, uh and this might be me just nitpicking, but his the the punches he threw um didn't look real. <laughs> I mean, they were just kinda like oh, fan I, I don't know. I didn't get that feeling at all. It, it took away from if you watch it, watch it again. Um, and when you when you do watch his uh, his punches, they they feel a little more. Uh, uh, what's the word for uh, when they fake a punch? Whatever that is, um, they feel a little bit more fake than any anything okay. else. But that being said, somehow they, they still manage to shoot these fights in a way that's so tense and so awesome that you're just drawn into it and you're you're rooting. Like I was I was sitting there clapping in, in my house watching this movie. So <laughs> you know it's it goes to show you there, but. Um, I, I just thought there were so many great characters. Uh, I, it's and it's so many oh, characters you'd love to hate, like his family. I, I could not. I wanted to slap <laughs> his mother. No, they they got the stuff with his family really, really well. Especially his, uh, not just his mom, who's played by Melissa Leo, who uh, most people remember from uh, Homicide, Life on the Street. Uh, she was recently. Uh, very well regarded for her role in Frozen River. She's an amazing actress, and she does an amazing job here as well as his mother, who kind of has a, a bit of tunnel vision when she comes with it. When it comes to her sons, uh, it's not that she, I don't think she favors Dicky more. I think she realizes he has more problems, and I think she she realizes that 
Mickey is more self-sufficient than than Dickie is. So yeah. maybe she just kind of ignores him and treats him. He needs the coddling more. Right, exactly. I think she looks at it that way. But uh, she's great here. Uh, but the stuff with his his family, uh, his sisters, who are like this this uh, this huge gaggle this brood of, of, of yeah of, yeah of broads who are all tough looking. They all look like they uh they just rolled out of bed, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and they just look so mean. And the way they treat. Uh, Mickey's girlfriend, played by Amy Adams, who's uh, who's not that much different than them, honestly. No. Charlene, that, that's, that's, yeah, Charlene. That's the thing I like about her. She's this kind of tough chick. She works at a bar. Uh, her life ain't, ain't no better than theirs is, but they just hate her on sight. It's because she's so attractive. Uh, mm-hmm. But in terms of how her life is, she's no different or better than they are. And uh, yeah. I love the conflict between all those characters. You know, it's the, Mickey's. Poor Mickey's being pulled in a million different directions by mm-hmm. by Charlene, who wants the best for him, um, and then by his family, who thinks they know what's best for him. You know, so he he's got to make a decision on his own, and that's that's kind of where the heart of the movie is. But uh, I think all the performances in this are are amazing. Uh, Wahlberg is good. Wahlberg is good. He's mm-hmm. doing a role he could do in his sleep. Uh, like you said, Christian Bale is great. Melissa Leo is great. Amy Adams is great too. I, I thought she was. So attractive in this, she, oh, she was. was so she plays this. like like I always thought like seeing her in in the role she's played previously. I always thought that she was like a what was the movie where she was a princess from a cartoon and she came. It was a, it was enchanted. Was it enchanted? Okay, like like I, I always thought that she was beautiful because she was dolled up beautiful. But she shows in this that she can be trashy beautiful too. I think she's, I, mean, she's, I think she's more attractive when she's playing a normal person. Like I, I just saw a, a little bit of and I could never I couldn't stand to watch the whole thing. But uh what was that movie? Leap Year that came out mm-hmm. earlier this year. Um uh, terrible looking romantic comedy. And she's kind of you know, she's one of those kind of kind of snooty type women, you know. She's yeah. she's she's attractive but she's made up and all that type of stuff. I think she's more attractive in a movie like this where she's just kind of you know, it's kind of being normal. She's, Definitely, she's and like uh, so uh, Sunshine Cleaning for, you know... She, right, and she Sunshine was, Cleaning, I think she looked great in that, too. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. And it doesn't hurt that she wears a see-through bra for about five minutes in one of the no, scenes. No, so. not at all. Oh, no. <laughs> but no, but I, I think this is a really good movie. I, I disagree with you about the uh, the boxing scenes. I thought they looked very authentic, especially in the way they, they try to uh, reenact a lot of the HBO... HBO programming at the time uh, with the way the camera switched and the the commentary and all that stuff. I thought right. that stuff worked great. The well, only no, thing that the only thing that took, only thing that took me out of it was that I know those fights and um, I know that's not how they really went. Right. <laughs> the, I mean, the, I mean, the end result was was accurate, but the way the actual fights went, they were Hollywooded up. Let's just yeah. say that they were they were made to be more like Rocky than they were anything else. But you know, it's fine. That's the way movies are, and boxing movies are always the best sports movies, period. Oh, they, yeah, they're without so question. Much better, I mean, so much better than football, baseball. You can, I don't care if you want to talk about the natural, talk about Bull Durham if you want. None of them are better than the than boxing and the gladiatorial aspect of it. And the best thing about baseball, I mean, not baseball, but boxing movies, is that they're never actually about boxing. They're always about life and taking the blows that life yeah. deals you every day. That's why boxing movies are great. This one's no different. This one is... Borderline and, four out of five for me. I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. it. Yeah, and just to clarify, like I, 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 one of my favorite things about the movie was the boxing scenes. I, I, I absolutely loved them, and I, I thought they looked amazing. I thought they looked great. Um, I just there was a couple, 
when when Wahlberg was throwing punches, it just looked a little funny to me. But the, that aside, I, th- I thought it was an amazing job with the authenticity of, of the way the boxing scenes looked. I thought making it look like HBO was great. I thought the whole, um, you know, with the way they handled Dickie and showing, mm-hmm. you know, his real because he's a guy that's that's like you, you should think he's just a, a trash bag, but uh, you know he he. You can tell he's really got some real heartfelt feelings. He's not just a crackhead. He's he's a guy who really cares right. about his brother. He really cares about this stuff, and he's kind of a goofball and all this stuff like that. But he, they did such a great job of showing everything. And, and there's a scene where um, basically the HBO is filming a movie about him uh, that he thinks is about his comeback. That was tough. That was a yeah. tough scene to watch. I felt bad for him watching that. I, I've actually seen that documentary before. I felt bad for him thinking about him sitting there getting all amped up for it, thinking it's a uh, it's a movie about his life, and and unfortunately, it is about his life, but it's about his current life. Right. You know, and, it's, it's sad. And the thing that really pulled me about it emotionally with, with that was that he even when it was about him, he was just kind of laughing and joking about it and whatever. But when his son comes on and you see his real his love for his son and, and his son's getting there crying and people are laughing, that's when he freaks out. It really led to the emotional uh, level of it. Um, I'll, I'll wrap up here just because we, we only got a couple minutes left. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, I It's a solid four out of five for me, um, trending even towards a four and a half. Uh, but it, it, the performance is great. If, <clears throat> if Bale doesn't get nominated, I, I will lose faith in um, in, in the Academy. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you have anything to worry about there. I'm pretty sure yeah. they'll get nominated. I mean, I, and even a, I, I, in the supporting actor category, I can't think of anybody that can contend with him for a win right now, just because it was it was amazing. The fighter is out in theaters right now. Uh, go out and see it uh, if you can. Um, just a, a great movie end to end. Really, not too many complaints I, I could I could give you about it. Um, would you have any final thoughts on the fighter? No, no, no. That's it. Uh, I think we're about to wrap up. We only got a few minutes left here. Yeah. Um, but uh, next week we got our big end of the year bash. We'll be doing our 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 end of the year list like we do every year around this time. Uh, we'll be doing our top ten favorite movies of the year, uh, our top ten performances of the year, and our top five worst films of the year. So that should be a lot of fun. We'll be yes. joined by a couple of our critic critic homies. Haven't really established who that's going to be yet, but. Uh, I'm we've sure been lining you, some you people up. Yeah, you, yeah, we've, you, we've been lining. You've some heard them. We'll, we'll have a, we'll have a good time, and uh, it'll be. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. You go for it. No, it's fine. Uh, you, you you know you know who they are. You've heard them on the show time, uh, many times before. They're our friends. They'll be there to join us. Uh, in terms of movies, we have to review next week. It's, we're gonna we got uh what do we have next week? We have Little Fockers, which I know you're looking forward to big time. Oh. Uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of any of the movies. I hated Meet the Parents, um, but I've, this this one I'm sure will uh, just astound me in I, many ways. I, I've already seen it, so uh, I'm going to leave my my comments for next week. Uh, but next week we'll have Little Fockers, True Grit, and Gulliver's Travel, starring Jack Black. So this should be an interesting week. Uh, I cannot wait to talk about True Grit with you. I I, I really. Really, really want to see what you have to say, what to say about the True Grit, because um, I know I know that you weren't along with everybody else that thought it was the best thing since sliced bread, but you did no. like the movie. Um, so I can't wait to talk with you about that. Um, until then, uh, that's next week. So tune in same bat time, same bat channel, uh, Sunday night seven o'clock. Uh, and hey, feel free to call in if you guys want to talk about anything. You're always welcome to call in. We have an 800 number, toll free, all that good stuff. But before we cut off here, uh, we are the Punch Drunk Critics. I'm John. I'm Travis. And we can be found at www.punchdrunkcritics.com. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and fan us there. Uh, we'll deliver all the news right to your Facebook 
homepage. Uh, just search for Punch Drunk Critics. We'll be the first and only ones to come up. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Punch Drunk John, and Travis is at Punchy Critic with no E. That's just P-U-N-C-H-Y-C-R-I-T-I-C. Punchy Critic. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at any time at punchdrunkcritics at gmail.com or punchdrunkcritics at yahoo.com. Um, mm-hmm. And if you need to reach us any other way, well, that's just close to stalking, my friend, and I wish you wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to say one thing real quick. Uh, I didn't get a chance to announce this last week, but we have. Uh, we are also. You can also find Punch Drunk Critics live on Stitcher now, which uh, allows you to get the show sent directly to your mobile phone, smartphone, iPhone, whatever you whatever it is that you walk around with every day, you can get us sent straight to your phone. Uh we are very happy to be working with Stitcher now, so just go to www.stitcher.com and punch in punch drunk critics and you will find us. Makes it real yes, nice. Stitcher and easy. is a new big thing, so make sure you get a hold of that and uh Travis, you and I will be talking about that a little bit later because I uh, am, am behind on what that is exactly, but <laughs> you can find us there. Um, until next week, guys, uh, I'm John. He's Travis. We're the Punch Drunk Critics, and uh, we hope you've enjoyed your time with us. We always enjoy this time with us, with you. Uh, so join us again next week at 7 o'clock on Sunday. Later. I'm not great at farewell, so uh, that'll do, pig. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.